Welcome back, everyone, once again to another episode of Red Pill News for Friday Night Livestream. Hope you guys are having a great day. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. If you wouldn't mind, please hit that like button, share the show out, and get ready for one of the scariest stories I have ever heard. Now, you guys know that I've talked about my own strange experiences in the past, but tonight I'm going to be joined by a man by the name of Matt M. She's an Ohio native, and he spent 17 years in the sports broadcasting world. When Matt was a young boy, child, he and a number of his friends had an experience at what I believe was a dilapidated steel mill in uh, in Ohio, in his hometown. And what he and his friends saw that night nearly destroyed them. So tonight we're going to be talking about that strange experience. And obviously we're going to see what Matt believes the, the nature of that is. You can see from the thumbnail, a dog man, a werewolf, whatever you want to call it. Something clearly not of our realm. So sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this with Matt Edge. Well, bad news. It sounds like the Fed has taken the punch bowl away from the party yet again because the stock market has been betting on March rate cuts, but not so fast because all three indexes just got pummeled on the news that rate cuts are off the table. Now, is this why J.P. Morgan and UBS are calling for a 23% drop in the S&P? Let me tell you something. This is the longest time we've ever had in history between recessions. And right now, that recession indicator is ringing off the hook. It's most severe alarm in that 40-year history. So either you think Bidenomics is working or you're buying gold. And since we all know Bidenomics isn't working... Isn't it time you protected your retirement by getting gold? Right now, you can call the proud Americans of the Patriot Gold Group today and do it before it's too late. All you got to do is mention me, Zach Payne, and this show, Red Pill News on Red Pill 78, and you will always get the best-in-class service from Patriots protecting Patriots. The Patriot Gold Group has the No Fee for Life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you might be eligible for the No Fee for Life IRA on qualifying rollovers. So give them a call today at 888-857-6092 and request your free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is a consumer affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer for seven years in a row. Call them today at 888-857-6092. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. You sure about that? Whoa. One of my sounds came on. Uh, Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And please join me in welcoming our guest for the very first time, Matt Emch. Matt, how are you tonight, sir? Good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. It, it's it's my pleasure. And I wasn't uh, I wasn't being hyperbolic in the introduction. Your story is one of the most disturbing and and frightening things I've ever heard. And you know, uh, being in the podcasting space, you hear a lot of outrageous stories. You know, whether it's from political to simply you know tales of the paranormal. And I, I am constantly evaluating every story, every news item that I hear, and. Yours is so it, it, it's so sincere and palpable. The emotion 
that I got from you when I heard you tell it for the first time. So before we dive into exactly what happened to you, please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You're in the broadcast world yourself. I am. You know, I I have uh, been in sports broadcasting, uh, specifically the football realm, for 17 years. Um, I'm also a color commentator for high school, uh, college, and semi-pro. Um, but, you know, I, I'm new in the foray of, of podcasting. Uh, probably about three and a half, just shy of four months ago, I dropped my own channel called Planet 412 uh, on YouTube, which is, is doing pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's connected to the paranormal and supernatural and, and, you know, obviously a lot of the cryptid world because of what happened to me when I was 14. And, uh, you know, it's just something that just seemed to, to work. So it, when I initially uh, heard about your story, um, you know, it resonated with me, first of all, because you said you were from Youngstown. My fiance is actually from Alliance, and we lived in Kent for a period of time before we moved down here oh. to Florida. So, um, you know, and I've been to Youngstown. Obviously, I have a friend who's actually running for Congress in Ohio. It's actually in like the Toledo area. Um, but uh, but, you know, I mean, I know exactly what that Rust Belt area of, of the United States is like. I'm from Michigan. So obviously, you know, where I grew up, there was uh, quite a few closed down factories emptied out. And when we were kids, you know, one of the things we loved to do was to go exploring. You know, you go find cool, decrepit places, see what kinds of things you can pick up and what kind of things you might end up seeing. So let, let's let's go back to that night when you were 14. And And just to preface this. What you experienced, was that the first time you had an experience that you would consider to be paranormal or just outside the realm of what you would normally do? Um, you know, of, of seriousness, you know, I had little things happen as I was growing up. Uh, I had a couple, you know, questionable events happen that, that made me think I had had some type of, of paranormal Black ghost events happen. Mm-hmm. There was a house, two houses down. Ironically, you know, you had you had asked about, uh, you know, what does the four twelve and planet four twelve mean? Well, it has multiple meanings. First and foremost, it used to be my address in Youngstown when I grew up. It was four twelve Laura Avenue was my address. The house doesn't exist anymore. Um, a lot of the houses on that street are, are gone, but the number itself, for some weird reason, has just you know, circulated through my life till now. Um, little things, even so, like my dad used to play 412 box on the lotto. He hit like five times growing up. It was weird, not for a lot of money, but, you know, enough that it was like, wow, that's really weird. You know, wish it was a lot, but it wasn't. Um, the weird thing is, is that the number pops up. I'll I'll look at the clock daily, either at a.m. or p.m. I'll always daily, weirdly enough, see the clock at 412, either or, or sometimes both. Um, I looked up what the meaning of 412 is, and it has a lot of angelic meaning behind Mm. it. If you you Google it, there is an angel 412. Uh, I've been through hell and high water with some health problems in my life. I've had 29 surgeries lifetime. Uh, I played college football at Youngstown State for Jim Trestle, and I was the lineman, and I tore my knee up really bad there. I had five major uh, surgeries there on my knee, but I've had other surgeries happen. And um, if, if 
you look at the angelic description that's online and, and then you know my backstory of all of the ups and downs I've had, you'll really be able to go, holy cow, wow, it sounds like his definition. And it's really strange. Uh, my wife is a skeptic on, on things, ironically, you know, paranormal and supernatural. And mm-hmm. when we were reading through uh, the, the definition of, of the meanings of, of the number combination for 12, um, Stephen looked at me like, oh, my God, Matt, you know, that's so weird. It sounds like your your story. So, you know, I, I've had a near-death experience. Um, April of, um, not to get off track. No, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Know, April of uh, 2022, I had a really bad string of health problems. I have lupus, and I had some really horrible things happen where I lost my right leg below the knee during that time. Um, I had 10 surgeries. I almost passed away three times. The third time I did pass away. My heart stopped for over 90 seconds. Um, I had a true 100% real near-death experience. Um, Unfortunately, my mom and dad are no longer here. I lost my dad 11 years ago to pancreatic cancer. Um, I lost my mom over four years ago, ironically, to lupus. Mm. And I saw them both. And it wasn't, you know, you hear the descriptions of near-death experiences from scientists and medical professionals saying it's a, it's a dump of chemicals in the brain and it's this or it's that. All these fanciful explanations. It really happened. Um, it was as real as you and I sitting here talking to each other. It was, right. it was life-altering. Um, and the reason that I started my channel because, you know, I was going to take I was going to take that event that happened to me when I was 14 to the grave. I wasn't going to discuss it. You know, that's a lot to talk about, especially being in the sports broadcasting realm. You know, that's not something you throw out there. Right. Um, right. But when that happened, I don't know why it just kind of clicked and it. It just said, you know what, I'm not going to not talk about this. And, uh, you know, it, it really changed my view on the world. Um, even more so than what happened when I was 14. And, and jumping into what happened, um, you know, it was the summer of 1987. Um, ironically, I had just done uh, a, a documentary with a, with a gentleman by the name of David Wolf. He, he owns Exposing the Strange. It's called ETS, which is a documentary company. And he interviewed me about that. And he had wondered after we had finished, he said, you know what? I'm, I'm curious what the, what the phases of the moon were for that week. You can look that up and you can go back even that far and look it up. Ironically, it was a full moon. It happened uh, between Wednesday and Friday. I don't remember the exact day, but starting on Wednesday of that week till the weekend, it was either a complete full moon or like three quarter full moon. So you know, take that with what you will of the old, uh, you know, the old kind of things that go along with the mythology of, sure. of these creatures. And, you know, we would go around and uh, do, you know, kind of the what boys do after school. That's how, you know, you just go and go to every corner of the city and suburbs. And, you know, we would ride our bikes, I mean, pretty far. One of the areas that we liked to go to was the steel mills. And, and, you know, you talked about the rust belt in that area. And, you know, it is a blue collar. Youngstown, Ohio is a blue collar, hardworking city. Uh, it used to be one of the biggest 
uh, filmmakers in the in the you know uh, in America. And when the bottom fell out uh, from the steel industry, Youngstown was one of those cities that was really affected by that. Um, so you you can imagine growing up. You know the steel mills obviously weren't weren't really running. Now there are three working steel mills or steel work uh, down there now. They've destroyed basically all of those old buildings. So where my event happened, uh, it happened. It was called the Jeanette Blast Furnace, and you can actually look that up online. They actually, ironically, in 1997 on YouTube, there's a video of them taking down that that blast furnace where I had my experience. Um, but what happened was, uh, we would hang out down in that area. We, we liked this Jeanette blast furnace area because there were buildings up, butted up next to it that you could go into and kind of, you know, get away from prying eyes and do what young boys do. So the one building that we liked, it was a four floor building. And I always have to explain this. So you know, there was there were problems down there being that time of, of you know, the era. Youngstown was was not a safe city. Um, numerous times through the years that it, it had gotten the moniker of uh, Murder Town USA, unfortunately. Per capita, Youngstown has gotten that title uh, for murder rates in, in the country. Um, it was that period right then. A lot of gang violence. The mafia, you know, people think the mafia are, are gone. They're extinct. They were still around. They were still doing things. You know, there would there would be questionable things happening down there. I can't tell you how many times we'd hear gunshots down there. We'd see strange cars down there. We'd see people throwing something, uh, you know, into the water or, you know, away from somewhere. We'd obviously quietly make our way away from where these people were. But one of the things we didn't like to, to run into was wild dogs. You being from Michigan, I'm sure you've heard of in those areas of, of the Rust Belt where these buildings have started to, you know, wither away and, and uh, you know, gone to the to the area of, you know, they need to, de to do the demolition to remove these places. You get packs of wild dogs. And during this time, they had some problems with them. And, and what people need to understand if they've never had an experience with them or known about them is you get dogs that either would run away from home or they're born in the wild. And you'd have sometimes between five to, you know, maybe 10 or more dogs that would run around in packs. They depended on each other. They were very violent. You know, they would kill people. They'd attack uh, animals and kill them. They frequented this area that we would go down to. And uh, this building that we would go into did not have stairs to go into it. You had to kind of pop up on the outside of this one area and kind of roll up. And we liked that because we didn't have to worry about it. Um, so what we would do is in the center of this building, we we put all kinds of you know, like uh, things to burn wood and pallets and that because it was a concrete and metal building. Uh, the center of the room, you could walk into the center. And like I said, it was a four floor building. You could look straight up and you could see all the way up to the ceiling. So from the second, third and fourth floor, if you were on there, there was in the center of the room, there was a square cut out in the center of each room. 
half concrete wall would separate you from falling into that square. So we could burn some pretty big fires. And this night that this experience happened, we had a good one going. And um, there were also, I, I need to preface this too, there were also on the first floor four the four walls of the building, north, south, east, and west, were open walls. So I, we just assumed it was like that because, you know, you, you have a steelworks uh, facility. You need to be able to get stuff in and out of there easy. So they had what uh, I had recently found out. They're called milling shields to do, like, steelwork. They had hundreds of these milling shields. And what we did is we basically fashioned makeshift walls on all four sides to keep, again, crying eyes out. Because, you know, if we got caught down there, it, they would have been upset. We, they would have called police, you right. know, secure. Whoever we were, they would not have been happy. We're setting fires inside of this building. <laughs> it, it was also not very safe, just to let you know, Zach. I mean, there'd be times when you get in there, giant piece of concrete would fall from the ceiling, and here's <laughs> us just like, oh, oh well, you know. Uh, you'd run up a... a, a yeah, <laughs> you'd run upstairs and the stairs would give way. Yep. Um, but we're still, you know, hanging out down there. So we had a giant fire going this night. And we had gotten to the point where everyone has, you know, a campfire, burning leaves, or where you just kind of stare at a fire and you kind of just kind of zone out. And we were staring at this fire and we heard this pack of wild dogs. So we decided to go outside and, and we went out on this area that we'd entered the building and we just stood and watched and they just ran by. Now, whenever they would see us, um, they weren't happy. They wouldn't be happy. They would come and they would not be able to get to us, but they would be very, uh, they would be very angry. They would not be happy. We'd be down there. They'd try and get us and, and we would have to basically be stuck there until they'd leave. Well, they ran right by us, didn't look at us, didn't pay attention to us. And just outside of the building was a railroad track. In fact, if you go to Google and you Google uh, the Jeanette, it's spelled J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, Blast Furnace in Youngstown, Ohio, it'll pop up the exact picture of the building. Usually what'll pop up. In fact, I can send it to you too, Zach. I have a picture of it. Um, I, it's actual, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. I'm going to pull it there up. There should be a railroad track and, yeah. and a train. And yeah. So if uh, we'll wait for that, can you, if you uh, can pop that up there. I don't think that you're going to be able to see it, but uh, the audience is going okay. to be able to see it. Let me see. So if you look at the picture, you can see usually what it is, is on the left is the blast furnace on the right is like a train or the railroad track. Well, just, to the, the right of that would normally be big piles of, of coke or, or petty coke in the steelmaking industry. Basically, a, a, an ingredient that they use to smelt steel. And they had giant piles of these things. So these dogs made a quick left past our building over this railroad track and then up one side of this pile of material down the other side. And I'm telling you, within three seconds, we start hearing hysteria we start hearing dogs fighting biting barking 
Um, it was very, very obvious that these dogs were into something we thought with themselves. Was we're like, why the heck would these dogs all of a sudden start fighting with each other? Mm-hmm. Then we started to pick up that there was something else over there. Um, uh, another noise, much louder, deeper, started to pick up where you, you could sure tell there that? was another animal. And, um, you know, that, that basically let us know that these dogs were not fighting with each other. They were fighting with something else. And then this is when stuff really started to get crazy. Um, what happened right in front of our eyes was a dog was literally in the air, was basically launched. And the only explanation was it was like somebody or something had grabbed one of these dogs and thrown it. Because there was a dog coming towards our direction, not thrown at us per se, just in the direction. And its feet were in the air, its behind was towards us, and its head was away. So obviously the dog didn't jump that way. Yeah. Um, and it hit the ground with a yelp and got up and, and limped away. And of course, you know, there's complete shock with us. We're like, what the hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. Another one came flying over just a second later. And when this dog hit the ground, blood hit the ground. And when the dog got up, you could see it had turned where its head would have been to our left. And down its rib cage basically was was flayed open. There was a, a really bad, massive wound. Um, I always say this to everyone that's ever heard my, my uh, interviews. I say the same thing. I'm a huge animal lover. I, you know, we, I've always had dogs. We have a dog now. And I, I remember all going, oh, my God, that poor dog. Oh, my. You know, and it, 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 it limped away and it left a trail of blood. And I, I don't see unless that dog got some help from a, a human being that it could have lived through that. Right. Right after that, a couple more came over. One hit the top of this material, this mound, and it just exploded. Just pieces went everywhere. And then within a couple seconds, all of them went running to our left, which was the way that we would come into this area. And I need to also say, it would take us a half an hour to get here. One of my friends that was here this day, there were four of us. Uh, Two of my friends are no longer here. God rest their soul. Um, my one buddy actually lived right across the street from uh, called it, and you can look it up. It's called Route 422 or Youngstown Warren Road. And right across the street from him, you could look right out of his front yard and see the tips of the blast furnace area. And you know, it took a half an hour to get there, so you couldn't really see everything. They ran back the way we came in, and we're in complete and utter shock. Where we're, we're like, what? what is going on here? And just at that moment, as we're looking, my one buddy who was to my left, just behind me says, guys, what is that? What is that over there? And we all look and this is where, um, you know, everything started to fall apart, you know, um, basically what crawled up to the top of this, this mound of this material was um, the, the largest, animal i had ever seen and to this day i've ever seen in my life um very wolf-like dog-like um jet black but but just so massive 
that, you know, and, and I'm going to say this a lot, you know, there's certain things I always say in, in, in my, my uh, recounting of this experience. This animal was so big, it looked fake. It looked like, you know, the, the thoughts start creeping into your head. I'm dreaming, you know, this can't be really happening. What is this we're looking at? And this animal comparatively, the easiest way I can tell you it was compared to think of the largest polar bear you've ever seen. And that's the size of this creature. And the reason we picked polar bear was because of its build. It had a lengthier, leaner kind of build, uh, where if you see like a, a brown bear, they're, they're kind of more like a walking boulder. These yeah. are polar bears are longer. And that's how this was built. It stood when it was on all fours, it stood, it was kind of at an angle though. Its front arms were much longer than the rear. So you kind of got that sense of a hyena where a hyena's back legs are shorter than the front. When they stand, they're kind of, you know, at an angle with the front higher. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was standing. And um, as we're standing there shocked at what we're looking at, and it hadn't looked at us or shown us any attention. It's staring also at these dogs and it lifts its leg and it starts to do its business, which tells us it's a male. Yeah. The reason I'm telling you guys this is because when it did its business, it, it hit this material it was standing on and you could hear audibly the, the material being blown up. Pieces of this stuff was were shooting in the air. I'm sort of getting really scared at that point because you're, you're dealing with a, an animal, first of all, so big within 25 feet from us. Mm-hmm. That, that's, you know, doing something as mundane as, as, as urinating. And it, it sounds like somebody turned a hose on. So real fear started creeping into me personally. And just at that moment, uh, obviously, my buddy to my left, and, and he was thinking the same thing. I don't know how he did it, why, or, or he must have got his feet caught up between him. He ended up tripping on himself and falling into that makeshift wall that we had made. Mm-hmm. So imagine you have these 100-pound milling shields that are roughly three and a half, four feet high. They weigh about 100 pounds apiece. And we had two rows of them. So one row going and then another one stacked on top. And he falls into this thing you can imagine the noise that made oh yeah and immediately we're all like we all turned around and looked and i'm like ooh, and looked right back and it had snapped its head and gave us its full attention and number one it, it looked surprised it didn't know we were there the first thing that jumped out was also a first sign that besides the size the the there was something else going on there which which we've all discussed for years there was something supernatural going on because its eyes were glowing and it, it wasn't eye shine for hunters out there um it was like there was a power source or something causing these eyes to glow and the color that they were was like of an amber kind of orangish yellow kind of color very deep very bright and when i mean like you know you know what i shine oh yeah absolutely yeah 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 this wasn't reflective you know uh kind of light like this emitting was, right yes it was emitting a, a light 
you could see the pupils and everything inside of the eyes. And it was looking down the line. It was looking at each of us. And when it stopped on me, I knew it was looking at me. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say this, it felt like it was looking through me. Like I almost felt like a physical kind of like, um, immense anxiety was going on. And what happened next was this thing ended up kind of taking a deep breath and it roared at us. And it was a combination of things. It was, first of all, I've never heard anything like it to date. Um, I've heard, you know, I've seen monster movies. And I've never heard anything like this. Uh, it was a combination of, say, a bear and a lion and a wolf all rolled into one, except there was something else. There was kind of a, a, a rhythm or a frequency in it. We, we all believe that we got hit with infrasound, which anybody yeah. that, that yeah. doesn't know, animals, you know, uh, big cats, whales, elephants, they all utilize infrasound, like whales utilize it underwater to have their song heard miles away. Uh, but the predators utilize it. They, they basically jiggle the insides, the liquids, and the, and the organs of prey, so it discombobulates them and makes it easier for them to dispatch said prey um if you've ever if you've ever seen a, a video of like say a crocodile or alligator in the water and they let out their kind of growl or whatever and you see the water bounce off it yeah. they they have a, it's having a rhythm to it that's kind of similar to what we heard and it was so loud that you know when it when it did it it was you know it was kind of like you know we all kind of grabbed away and covered our ears and immediately knew that that something was wrong. Uh, I felt my legs were really weak. Um, I almost dropped to my knees, actually. In fact, I, I was bent over, and I kept my head up. I kept my eyes on this thing, but I wanted to go down on my legs. It felt like when I played football and we'd be training, like we'd run stadium uh, uh, seats and stuff, and and the bleachers, and and that was really where your legs at where when you'd be done, you'd, your legs would be shaking. That's how I felt immediately. Mm. My best friend on my right later told me that's how he felt. The other two on the ends, however, were affected worse. Um, my one buddy to my far right said that he felt like he was going to pass out. He was all the way bent over. And then my friend who noticed at first, Dry heaved a few times and, and said that he thought he was going to throw up. I think he said what he said. And um, as we're all kind of having this weird effect from this thing, it ends up really completely just shattering the walls of reality. You know, up, up till that moment, it was still, as far as we knew, just a regular, just who knows, you know, something from a zoo that escaped. But it stood up on two legs. And basically what happened was um, this thing, you know, told all of us immediately that all of the stories that we had been told growing up, that that werewolves don't exist, um, that that monsters in movies are just fake, um, that don't be, don't worry, monsters aren't real, uh, mythology is just that. It's just made up stories to scare children. It, all of it went down the toilet and it was standing in front of us. 
Now, imagine being 14 years old. We, we, we were babies, you know, we were still super young, but old enough to realize what was going on. Mm-hmm. We're staring at a creature sure? where on all fours was so large that it, it, it gave you the sense of, I must be dreaming. Mm-hmm. Now has stood up on two legs and has doubled its size and is telling us that, you know, nightmares exist. And I, I kept getting the sense in my head, like, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. But we weren't waking up. It was really happening. And then this thing took two steps towards us. And, and I kid you not, within two steps, it was roughly 25 feet from us. Um, and, and it was on top of a mound of this stuff. It covered half the distance in two strides. And it was that close to us. So we started to Man, follow it, suit. If, if yeah. I just may, you know, how, how tall do you think it was when it stood up fully erect? I mean, like 10, 12 feet? Well, what we had done is we had not gone back there for years. What I'm going to get into in a little bit is this thing actually followed us inside of the furnace. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can we save it if you want to. <laughs> Okay. Um, so we, uh, my one buddy to my left who, who had just been bent over saw this occur and he starts to make his way in. We made our way in the building foam. We're falling all over ourselves, still feeling the effect of whatever had happened. And, um, you know, we, we weren't running in. This was very slow, almost like in tar. Yeah. And we made our way up to the third floor. Why did we go to the third I don't know. We just did. People have asked me, well, why do you think you went up there? Like, there, there really wasn't any thought. That's just where we ended up. And what we did is when once we got up there, we ended up turning around and we were looking down at that area that we had just come in. So we had a great shot at the entire first floor. Excuse me. And um, the dangers of drinking ginger ale on, on radio. Sorry. That's <laughs> all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. uh, this thing, you know, it's still outside. We're, we're wondering if it's going to come in. And, and just at that point, my one buddy who had noticed it was, was really, really losing it. Um, he, he started to have a nervous breakdown. Um, he, he was basically saying, you know, what is that? We have to get out of here. I want to go home. Um, excuse me. And it, it wasn't monotone. This was complete and utter hysteria. This was screaming, crying, flipping out. What you know? I mean, as loud as you can imagine. So of course, the three of us are quiet. Be quiet. It's right. going to come in here. We're trying to quiet him down, and he's not having any of it. He he had, he had really gone postal. Excuse the phrase. Yeah. And he, he got to the point so loud that, that I had gotten behind him at one point, not purposely. He had just turned his back to me and I grabbed him from behind. I put my hand over his mouth and I cupped him and I snapped him so hard that his feet were hanging off the ground and we're all trying to shut him up. Be quiet. What's going to come in here? Finally, he starts gasping for air. So I set him down and we're at, you're going to be quiet. We'll let you go. He, let him go. He takes a huge deep breath. 
literally the second he he took that deep breath you hear a boom thump in the building you felt a vibration go through your your feet and you had that kind of telltale kind of dog nails on hard floor something noise yeah you could tell what was going on it was it was climbing up and it was coming in and we froze um this thing ends up coming in through that makeshift wall area where we had come in real slow um and the fire immediately hits it and lights it up like a christmas tree and it was as black as you've ever seen black in your life um the eyes still shining, even though the fire, again, this is how we knew it was an eye shine because you have fire right in its face and the eyes are still emanating this amber glow. Um, it's walking around the, the bottom floor and immediately you start to notice it is sniffing the air, putting its head in the air. Whenever it would sniff the air, it would curl its lips back. You'd see its teeth glint. Uh, you could actually even see its ears on top of its head, and it would each ear would kind of pop, and you'd see it was listening, and and it was listening for us, sniffing, and you know the fire had hit it and cast its shadow on the far wall, so you can imagine you have something so big, it's it it got this mindset of we're dreaming, it's so big this can't be real, mm-hmm. um, and the far wall is completely black well as it walked by that wall it sniffs the air and it has its head turned towards that wall you see the orange amber glow light up a portion of that wall as it goes by it so again something something going on there that that's emanating this this shine this this brightness and uh what occurred was you know what let me i'm sorry real quick my my Bluetooth is on and it, I just realized it was connecting to this roadcaster next to me. I didn't want it interrupting anything with us. Sorry. And, uh, we are frozen staring at this thing and we start to notice there's a noise. I did of, of something dripping. And then you notice there was saliva just pouring out of this thing's mouth. Uh, you know, hitting the ground. You could hear the sounds audibly of, of maybe if you're in a, in a big empty building and it's raining and you could hear those those big water drops hitting the ground on the concrete. That's the noise you're hearing above this huge fire. We had a massive fire going that night. You could hear the saliva pouring out of its mouth, smacking the ground, um, which started to tell us it's either hungry or ready to kill or both, obviously. And again, this immense fear of, you know, we are in really, really severe trouble. I started to, to have um, fear of, I mean, I started to think about dying. I, I really did. I started to think we're going to get attacked. We're going to be killed. Uh this thing ends up walking by the fire and it did something else supernatural. I noticed it. My best friend to my right noticed it. The other two did not. Um, it basically was, first of all, which was not. We had a giant fire where, where we were, I don't know, 10, 
12 feet away is the closest we could stand to this fire. This thing's within a foot or two. It was not bothered at all by this fire. And uh, its front left arm came up, came down. And when it put its, its, which we saw later, were not paws. They were like hands. Down on the ground near the fire, what happened was the front left arm only basically did, if you've seen the movie Predator, it cloaked. It basically shimmered out of sight. You could still see there was shape there. You could still tell that that arm was there. But it was like invisible, kind of. You could still tell it was there, though. The fire started to do something strange, too. It reached out towards the arm when it did that. And what it looked like was akin to, if you've seen videos of the sun, you have magnetic storms on the surface of the sun. You had like arches and things reach out towards that arm. Three seconds is all it did, and it went back to black. And then the fire real quick jutted back. It was so odd and so strange. And then um, this thing is still sniffing the air. We could see it was all black, all except from the the neck all the way down to its tail had a white stripe going down. Uh, the the fur inch and a half at longest, very kept, um, almost groomed, um, not dirty or matted. People would say, did you smell anything? No, all we could smell was fire burning in this building. We're in enclosed space. Um, but it was just massive. You could see the, 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 the shoulders, the shoulder blades, the scapula popping up kind of like, you know, with big cats, they pop up when they walk. And it was uh, extremely long. Again, it had a, a, a non-bushy tail. Its tail was very long, very thick. I mean, like that thick. And, and the easiest way to describe it, it looked like a panther's tail, uh, like a cougar's tail. No bushiness at all. The whole thing was very short-haired. Um, I've heard experiencers talk about a mane, bushy tails. None of that was going on here. Um, and then it sniffed the air one more time, and it snapped its head up, and it looked right at us. It knew where we were. Um, and you want to talk about a sinking feeling when something like that is staring at you. Um, I, I can't tell you, you know, the, the mindset that was going on. And it kept happening where, and my friends had said they felt the same way where where I, I just kept thinking I'm 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 gonna wake up, I'm gonna wake up, I know I'm gonna wake up any second. And it didn't happen. This thing looked at us and it stood up on two legs again and it bared all of its teeth and it, it threw its arms out to its side and it roared at us. And when it when it did that, it opened its hands. And the, the closest thing we have ever been able to compare the hands to were like raccoon hands. They look like giant raccoon hands. Now, I didn't see claws. My other three friends said that it had giant black claws at their talons, whatever you want to call them, at the end of its fingers. All I saw were these weird shaped hands. And it had a it had kind of like a whitish tail line just across this area. 
And it roared at us. And again, you know, we we grabbed our ears and, and the whole building shook. I mean, you heard loose metal vibrate in this building. We, however, did not get sick like we did before. And I have a wife's, I think a, my wife's hair is on me somewhere. Sorry. I just noticed long hair. She has big, she has long hair. Sorry. Um, and we didn't get sick, however. And we thought about this as to why, because it was so much louder. We're in an enclosed space. Um, basically, what we think happened was here we are up here on the third floor and it's down here when it was looking up at us we had a half wall of concrete in front of us maybe four feet high you have all that other concrete from the additional floors around us and this thing i think i think you know wasn't able to affect us with whatever it roared at us because the surrounding material had either absorbed it or blocked it and uh you know we had just basically gotten a sense of you know we we are we're done um we had no way out and, and let me explain that because going down the stairs we had gone up was where it was so we had no way down um to my left was a door that would take us out to a fire escape which only went up to the roof the fire escape from the second floor down was all crumpled in a heap on the ground it had fallen away from just years of non-use or upkeep dilapidation and and it was not available to get out um you could run up to the fourth floor where on top of the fourth floor there was an access uh staircase that would take you out to the roof as well so we were stuck um this thing looked at us and it looked to the right which was at the staircase and it looked back at us and then looked at the staircase dropped down and shot for that staircase immediately knew it was coming up immediately um my one friend ran for that fire escape and you heard him running up you could hear his feet on it he's lucky it didn't break away and fall my other friend who had really lost his stuff was running up to the fourth floor and he ended up going up to the roof i was frozen uh, my best friend to my right was frozen and this thing shot to the stairs and it was up the first set of stairs in the blink of an eye and what it did was strange too when it ran it was turning up that first flight of stairs. So its tail curled and turned to the left. So uh, I kind of got the sense that it will now, looking back years later, it used it kind of like as a counterbalance. I was going to say. Counterweight. Yeah. Yeah. It was strange the way it did it because it was turning to the right as it was running up those stairs. And, and you know, if anybody has ever rode a snowmobile or a four-wheeler, you turn to the right, you lean to the left. That's kind of that thought it, I have when I see that in my head. And as it's running up this, the uh, flight of stairs, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I cannot, I cannot express to you, you know, I've never given an account of this experience where I, I, I don't, like I'm starting to sweat right now. Um, 
where I start to go back there, um, this has really severely affected me and my one friend that's that's still here has had psychological problems from this. You know, I, I started to really, truly believe that this was my moment. I'm going to die. We're, we're going to be killed, horrible deaths. No one's ever going to see us again. No one's going to know what happened to us. No one even knew we were down there. Right. We weren't supposed to be down there. Um, and and I started to, and, and, you know, people said, would you have your life flash before your eyes? And I didn't have my life flash before my eyes. But what did happen really quick was I just thought of my family. My dog popped in there and, and just, I don't know why. I always remember this. I remember thinking of football in my head. And then that was it. That's all I thought of. And the real fear of I'm about to die. And this thing got up to the second set of stairs, which would take it up to the third floor. And I need to tell everybody, once it got to the top of that that set of stairs from the second to the third floor, the first person that it would run into would be me. So it ran up these flight of stairs. It was probably six feet from me at the most, looking right at me. It had its eyes connected to mine. And you could literally see muscles tense. It was ready to pounce. And its head dropped a little bit. And, and I just was bracing for, for impact. And I will take this to my grave. Anybody can, you know, I, I always say this first and foremost, it's up to whoever hears this, if you believe it. I don't begrudge anyone if you don't believe this. If you haven't seen something like this, it is really difficult to wrap your head around something like this happening. So I don't I don't hate on anybody that can't understand this. It really occurred. And I'm telling you, I will till I die. know, I know that someone intervened because right when it was about to pounce, it was at the three quarter mark of this staircase. Like I said, six feet from me and there was a train coming by this building and it laid on its horn now these trains that come by this building countless times and never ever had laid on their horn this night did something force this guy to do it was it because i think we thought it was from the fire it was really bright whatever reason thank god it happened because it stopped right as it was about to pounce and it turned to its left so it had to turn all the way around and it looked at the opening and it looked back at us me and my buddy and it looked back it did a three a three take and at the last second it it kind of it did a kind of like like it was just about to just say screw it and it and hit me but it decided not to and it turned around and it left the building well something else supernatural happened it physically ran down from that area close to me to the top of the last set of stairs. But as it was going down from the top of the last set of stairs, it started to lose shape. And what I mean by that is, is, is you could still see somewhat of the ears. You could still see a little bit of a muzzle. There were no legs touching the stairs. It was basically like a big amorphous shadow. And it just, left the building like if you have a flashlight on your hand on the wall and you go like that 
that's as fast as this thing left the building. Wow. And it was not so fast that it just looked like a streak. This thing lost form. It it somehow turned into like a shadow being and it was gone. And we start immediately screaming bloody murder, help us, somebody save us. I mean, so much so that we were hoarse later in the night. Um, at one point, I remember our other two friends had made it down from the roof. They said they were up there and they had heard the train and the horn and heard us start to scream for help. That's what signaled them to come down. And we're all screaming, help us, save us. And the train just got further and further and it was gone. And then the fear of God set back in that this thing's going to turn around and it's going to come right back into the building. Um You know, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, okay. I mean, I can only imagine what you went through. I mean, but I, you know, just uh, having gone through some pretty traumatic things myself. I mean, I I, I know that sense of foreboding where where you where you accept the fact that this this might be it. You know, I mean, like or likely I'm going to die, but. To have seen something so horrific that does not exist in nature, that should not exist, and it seems to be like phasing between the the physical and the ethereal. I mean, you guys, your your brain must have just been mush. It was, and and I can't tell you the the time thinking it was going to come back. Was was as almost as bad as when it was right there. I, it was that 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 thought that it's coming back for us and it's going to kill us. Everything. Let me tell you, you have this huge fire going. Every noise, every pop of the of the wood burn. We thought this thing was coming back in. It was the most horrific non seeing of this thing that was almost as bad or worse. Yeah, and. Um, we ended up, we were in the building for maybe, it was over an hour. We made our way down to the first floor and, and I specifically had said, we, we have to get out of here. This thing is going to come back. And, you know, during this time, each of us, every once in a while, we're looking outside, trying to see those. Cause if it was out there, you would have saw those eyes. Oh yeah. And we're looking and we're, we're trying to find it. And, and finally we get to the point where we're going to make a run for it. Now, now, again, now we have a half an hour ahead of us to get out of there. So we're preparing to leave. And my one friend who had fallen into the wall and I had to shut up and had lost it is now. And I, I really have no real explanation of how to put in the words how he, he had had a complete meltdown, a complete nervous breakdown. He was screaming, crying, and we got to hide, we have to find somewhere, wait till the morning, and, you know, which sounded asinine to us, and finally got to the point where I physically grabbed him, and I said, you're going to listen to me, you're either going to come with us, or you can stay here by yourself, and you will die, I promise you, you'll die by yourself, or you can take a chance, and you can come with us, and we're going to try and get out of here. And he's begging me, Matt, please, God, please, we stay here. Someone's going to come. No one's going to come. No one has come yet. 
finally, we got it to the point where I had turned around and my best friend had turned around and we made him grab the back of our shirts. I mean, so much that he was literally choking us. Mm-hmm. And we pulled his butt from the building. And, and I have horrible goosebumps thinking about leaving the building because there was a space when we would hop up to get into the building underneath that concrete kind of outcropping. Oh, yeah. Where something could have been underneath there and i was afraid it was under there so and and i'm telling you man if you could see the goosebumps on my arms i was so sure this thing was out there we dropped down and i almost prepared for a a, a pounce and we start running and we literally were running in a single file line four 14 year old kids together running as fast as we could you know you'd kick a, a rock or, or you'd hear the wind pick up and we'd all stop and turn and, and look around and think it was signaling that thing the most nightmarish you know running it took us maybe 25 minutes instead of a, a, a half an hour. i didn't time it um it was a nightmare getting back to this last area that we had to get out of this facility going in you would go down this mound of basically gravel and all kinds of stuff. And you could go down standing up. You could walk down with your foot kind of turned to the side and stay up. Going up, you had to get on all fours and you had to crawl your way up. And you would lose the, the, the footing underneath you and you would start to slide back down. And as that would happen, you know, either to me or to someone else, we would scream, is it there? Is it behind me? Is it, you know, thinking the thing's going to be right behind you. Mm-hmm. Finally, we got up to the top of this and we got across the street to my buddy's house. His parents weren't home. And we just sat in the yard and, and on the porch and stared. We didn't talk for like an hour and just were in shock and just stared. And you could see, like I said, from his front yard you could see the tips of this blast furnace and we just kind of stared off in that direction no one spoke uh my one friend who who had the nervous breakdown you know we didn't see after this event we didn't see him for two weeks we didn't hear from him for two weeks according to him he didn't speak for two weeks wow um we made our way back to my best friend's dad's house and and uh you know, my dad was called and, and my best friend's dad worked for the city. And he when he found out where we were, he flipped out on us because, you know, he knew how bad that place was falling apart and knew it was dangerous. And um, long story short, without getting to all of the specifics of it, um, about a week later, my best friend got his dad to sit down with him and his dad basically I'm not going to exactly say it. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what he did. He was basically in charge of everything in the city. Mm-hmm. And my best friend got his dad to sit down and he talked to him and he told him that they were aware of this thing, that they had gotten calls about it from people that work on the railroad, that an officer had seen it. Um, I've gotten messages uh, in messenger on my uh, planet 412 uh, uh page um people reaching out that have worked security on the railroad tracks have said that they had things happen down there where they would see strange lights of the color i mentioned in the wood line they would hear something paralleling them as they'd walk they would stop 
it would stop. They would start walking. It would start walking. They would hear growls in the in the foliage. They just couldn't see it. Um, so there was also during I think a five or six year span. I don't remember the exact years where there was a couple homeless people that were supposedly mauled to death by these packs of dogs. The impression my best friend's dad gave him was at least one of these people was probably killed by whatever this thing was or one like it. So um, he was aware of it and they they knew about it. Um, and that's that's what happened to us. That is absolutely disturbing. And I can only imagine. I, I OK, so when when you spoke to your friend's father. You know, what What was his mood about the whole thing? And I'm sorry, I, was this the first one of your parents that you told about this? Yeah, yeah so my, my my buddy who lived across the street, his parents weren't home. They were at bingo or something. They were, they were just not home. Mm-hmm. So when we got back to my best friend's uh, house, they didn't expect four of us to walk in. They were waiting for their son. And when we all walked in, it was surprise. We looked from what he said we looked like hell of high water we were we were obviously we had the, the cry marks down our face we were filthy um in shock we he said we were all white as ghosts um now it was almost one in the morning let me explain something police did not go walking around down there by themselves at that hour in youngstown ohio in 1987 it just didn't happen so just the fact of just pure danger without anything like this, he just didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So he was furious. Where the hell are you guys coming from? And we told him and he lost it. He lost it. He said, what do you mean you're going down there? That place is falling apart. People have been hurt down there. It's, some of the buildings are set for demolition, blah, 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 blah and just went off on us. Why were you down there? What happened? What's going on? And we told them we fully expected disbelief. What are you talking about? It wasn't that. It was more yelling at us and a a look of concern. Yeah. Um, Threatening. If if I find out you're down there again, I'll I'll get you guys put in in juvenile. Um, He called my dad next, which also was an extra fear factor because my parents were waiting for me. My dad came in and uh, he was he was hot and he was upset and wondering where his son was at almost one in the morning, 14 years old. Again, young son. Yeah. Where is my son? Um, And they separated from us and he pulled my dad aside into another room and I remember hearing my dad scream, what the hell are you talking about? Which we knew what what he said to him. And they called us back in after a couple minutes. And my dad, dad, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four. Um, My dad was a big man. He was six four. And, and, you know, he had this. I always have these these memories. And my dad is just the, the strong, you know, always, you know, dependable, never worried kind of guy. And he was kind of pale in the face. He looked scared. He looked worried. Um, 
and he took me home and in the car I was bawling my eyes. I'm not ashamed to say it. I was sure. crying my eyes out, begging him to believe me. And he just kept looking at me with this look of, of, of fear because not of what I was telling him because first of what my best friend's dad had told him. And now hearing this from me, Oh my God, my son almost died. Yeah. And, you know, he warns me, I don't want you talking to your family about our family. You know, I, I have, uh, there's five kids in my family. I don't want you talking to your siblings about it. You know, they warn us not to tell our other friends about it. There were just four of us down there. Normally there was more. They had, they warned us, you know, more than anything, if you talk about it to all your friends, you're going to have huge groups of people going down there want to see this thing. Right. And they're going to get killed just because the building's falling. So don't do it. Um, they put the fear of God in us about about warning us, telling us, you know, we wouldn't go to the school. You know, we were going to go to the private to a private school next year. And, you know, you guys won't go there. You'll end up at the city school, and everyone will consider you guys the crazies of Youngstown. And you'll be known that till you die. And you know, who's going to believe you? You saw a, a werewolf? Are you kidding me? You know, they really put the fear of God in us about it, and. Um, you know, when I walked in the house, you know, of course, the first thing I did, I saw my mom. I started telling my mom exactly what happened. And my dad shuts me up. My mom was like, you know, my dad's name was Ken. Ken, what is he talking? They saw a bear go to bed. It's fine. I'm dealing with them. You know, he, he sent my mom to bed. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was years of just awe, uh, knowing, again, we're kids, but you're 14 years old, so right. we're not four. So we knew we saw something extraordinary, you know, really opened our minds. You know, it, it opened mine, you know, to, to, to a mindset that anything truly, and I really mean this, and that's why I started my channel, Planet 412, too. It's because, you know, there, there really are things out there, and I'm not trying to scare people. There really are things that go bump in the night. There are things that, that you think are, are mythology. There's a lot of truth to, right. to, to legend and mythology. You look at just Sasquatch itself. I've never seen a Sasquatch or anything like that, but you look at just Native American history. You know, they're not telling fake stories. You, you have... Generations of American Native Native American Indians that talk about these beings that have never met each other's you know uh, uh, you know uh, Indian tribes they 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 all talk about this and and these uh, beings you want to call them werewolves or now they call them dogmen whatever you want to call them, they go back very far in history and mythology you go to the to the Bible you can go back to I think it was. Uh, St. Christopher, I believe, and Cynocephaly, something like they were called, uh, you know, dog-headed men, mm -hmm. uh, island of dog-headed men. I mean, this is in, in biblical uh, uh, description. So, you know, these things are real. It, it really happened. Um, and, and you want to talk about opening your eyes. It really has. You know, and two of my friends are no longer here. Um all four of us have had major issues through the years. Two of my friends are no longer here because of life choices they made. Sure. They were dealing dealing with the psychological ramifications and, and ways that 
they chose and it led to their death. Let's just say that. Well, I'm I'm six oh. years sober, so I, I I know about those life choices. I absolutely God bless you, man. Yeah, and it, it led to their deaths, both of them. Yeah. Um so and it, it stemmed from that. Oh, I can I can imagine. I mean, <laughs> trauma exhibits itself in in people's actions in a pretty profound way. Um, so after this happened, your friend he was missing for two weeks. I can only imagine he was probably convalescing, you know, unable to go out into the world. I mean, that's totally understandable. The other Not to interrupt, yeah, his parents had accused us of doing drugs. You know, you guys were probably doing acid or. We, didn't, we were 14-year-old. We didn't drink alcohol. You know sure. what I mean? I was an athlete. Um, I did leave one part out. I sought the counsel of my priest at St. Mary's Church. I'll say the name of the church in Youngstown. Um, I'm half Lebanese. It's a, it's a Maronite Rite Catholic church. And I went there, and I, I was so messed up. I went to see my priest, fully expecting him to say, well, you must have seen something else or you must be mistaken. Quite the opposite. He 100% believed me. Uh, he talked about, uh, you know, he I, I believe he was he was referencing the Cenocephali as well. Um, he said people need to understand that sometimes, this is a quote, sometimes these things bleed into our world right. and in our realm and we see them they see us sometimes nothing happens sometimes something horrible happens he referenced exorcisms and people being possessed he mentioned you know uh, rome and sending their best exorcists out to the four corners of the globe and you know he thought this thing was you know like a demon or something um so you know i mean take it with what you will well i um so after after the experience and your your friend came back to school, is this something that you guys would go back to? Would you speak about this or was it something that was just so pro- profoundly disturbing that you tried to bury it and not go back? Well, it, it was the summer, so we didn't go right back oh, to I'm school. So we had all summer. We didn't um, talk about it. The more the summer went on the more the sense of the four of us got that we would be made fun of mm-hmm. that it, it would be a joke to people um and and i can't tell you how hard we were being hit constantly by i was being hit by my dad my best friend's dad was constantly don't talk about it. don't i mean incessantly you're gonna ruin your lives your lives are gonna be over you're gonna be the jokes of youngstown you don't realize what's gonna happen you're gonna ruin your futures they really put the fear of god in us and and we shut up pretty much about it um there was never a time ever that we did not speak about it the four of us yeah Whenever we were on the phone, whenever we were together, it did not matter. We always discussed it with each other. Um, up until my two buddies uh, passed away, one died a month before the other the exact same way. Wow. Um, and my one friend who's still alive to this day, he has a psychologist, psychiatrist, he has a counselor. Uh, he's on like five different psychological meds. Mm. I have PTSD till this day. I'm not ashamed to say it. I've I've had to see psychiatrists for years. 
I actually have had problems with medications. I've been resistant to stuff over the years because it's, it hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it really, you know, I, I remember somebody commenting, um, you know, because you having a channel now, you know, you get people that are just ignorant and, yeah. and just trolls and they make just really disgusting comments. And I remember one person making, oh, wow, big deal. They saw a dog man and, and now they've got psychological issues. Well, we didn't just see a dog man. We literally were almost killed by one. It was within feet of me. Um, I, I think anyone, even a even a, a U.S. Navy SEAL, would have had issues psychologically with what occurred that night if it was him. Mm. I don't know how anybody, unless you knew about these things and you were you were prepared for these types of beings that you could handle a situation like that Certainly. without having ramifications. I, I don't see how it would be possible. So for anyone that, that finds it amusing and thinks it's fanciful to make fun of and think that they would just, Oh, I'd be fine. And I would, I would be able to stare at it right in its eye. You should hear the stories. I would, I would be fine. I would have just laughed at it. I'll tell you something. You would have done the same thing we did. You would have thought you were about to die and you'd have issues for years. Yeah. It yeah. was not a, a simple account. It was not, you know, you saw it from 150 yards away with, with a scope or, or binoculars or just barely could see it from afar. Like most experiences happen. And then you're able to talk about it willy nilly. This was right in your face, literally saw its teeth feet from you i was gonna die literally gonna die um so you know i i know again it, it's hard for people to wrap their head around it and again i'll say it again i i don't begrudge anyone that doesn't believe me it's a lot to, to take in mm -hmm. um it, it really happened and if it wasn't if it wasn't you know four of us and if it was just me Maybe I could have, you know, like as the years gone by, maybe I saw something else. I was by myself. There were four of us. And we, again, we were teenagers. So right. crazy. Yeah. It's a lot harder to write off when you've got, you know, a, a shared experience like that. And, you know, I, I, the, the paranormal experiences that I've had have always been, you know, just myself. And so there, I know exactly what you're talking about, that that sense of of doubting, you know, I mean, like, how could this be? I am not supposed to be in this situation right now. You know, is this even truly happening to me? But, you know, so you answer my question about uh, drugs and alcohol. There were no drugs and alcohol involved. And uh, your one friend who is still alive, are you guys still in touch today? Have you have, do you speak about this? Does he know that you're uh, going and talking about it publicly now? He, he does. Um, you know, he's he actually has an additional guilt factor because I'm doing this as he puts alone. Mm -hmm. um, he He's a very uh, wealthy businessman. I'm not going any deeper than that. Sure. He, you know, he said, when I retire, Matt, he said, I will be sitting right, sitting right next to you. I'll come out because everyone says, you know, what about your friend? Can he come out and talk? He's not going to do it now. Um, he has a business where he does international business uh, and, and construction and stuff like that. And um, he's not willing to sit down. He, you know, he basically puts it like this. 
if you're brokering deals internationally, you know, doing things of, of that height mm-hmm. and you're meeting with someone from another country, would you really want them to say, hey, I, no. you know, saw you on an interview where you say you saw a werewolf. He said, I'm not willing to do that now. But he, he said, I, he always thanks me. We talk weekly. Um, he watches um, as much as he can. Um, I would say he probably can only discuss it at, at length for about five minutes until he starts stuttering and, and you know, having issues. When I, anybody that, that knows real PTSD from like yeah. maybe uh, ex, uh, military or someone that's been through a traumatic event, like maybe almost being murdered or when somebody starts to, to physically show signs of, of, of being so disturbed that they can't talk about something, yeah. you don't press it. You know, I, I don't press them. And it, and it takes probably three to five minutes before he starts, you know, uh, 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 you know yeah. stuttering. And, and he doesn't do well discussing it. So let me ask you this, Matt. I mean, I totally understand, you know, the uh, the the public ridicule that you open yourself up to when you choose to put yourself out there, and I commend you for having the courage to do it. Um, so, so why was it now that you made the decision to start talking about it publicly? Um, you know, I had alluded to at the beginning. You know, I had had a, a near death experience, yeah. uh, April of twenty twenty two. I had some really major health problems. Like I said, I've had 29 surgeries lifetime. Um, I had a near-death experience where I I basically, I'd lost my leg in April 2022 complications from a surgery I had. It's called Charco syndrome. Um, I I have lupus and, and that's an autoimmune disease, which causes problems with healing. I had a surgery to correct a problem that failed. I had another one to correct the same problem. Did a much more robust surgery. It also failed. They had to take my leg below the knee. I've fallen a couple times, as most people would, when you don't know how to get around without a a limb after all those years. Mm -hmm. And I basically had caused an opening on my, my incision where I had sutures in it. And just the quickest description of a much more detailed series of events the artery blew in my leg and i bled out in, in my in my wife's car with my 14 year old daughter in the back seat oh god uh, about three pints of blood and my heart stopped um i i died um over a minute minute and i think it was nine, 96 seconds they said my heart stopped and i saw my my dead mom and dad um after that occurred not only did it open my eyes to, no, I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid to die anymore. I know that there's something else after this life. Yeah, It was so even more eye-opening than what happened when I was 14 in, a, in a, such a positive, beautiful sense um, that I had looked at other parts of my life very detailed and deeply and and that one has been something that has obviously followed me around my entire life certainly and i had really planned on taking that to my grave i had decided especially doing what i do i mean mean, again you know being a broadcaster i don't talk about this on the radio obviously i'm not calling a game and like hey by the way everybody you know (laughs) (laughs) so 
I don't do that. But but I I I don't know. It was just something that just said, you know, it really happened. That was so amazing that I was able to see my mom and dad. I, I cannot tell you the gift that I was given being able to see my parents. And and it just kind of just gave me a freedom that I'd never had before. And I just said, you know what? Through this, it really happened. It was incredible what happened. Two of my friends are dead because of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, not tell it. And, and you hear quite a bit these days, let's be honest, with what's going on in the military, uh, them releasing these, these videos of these UAPs and these UFOs. You know, you have people, I think his name is Paul Hellyer, the ex-minister oh, yeah. of defense of Canada, coming out saying, guys, listen, the Canada, America, other countries are in contact with other life forms. You know, you have people like that doing it. You know, it's just, you're hearing a lot more about it. You're hearing a lot more detailed experiencers out there with soft watch and things. You know, and I might I recommend Resonance, uh, Resonance, I think it's Resonance uh, Productions just released. It's called A Flash of Beauty, uh, Paranormal Bigfoot. I highly recommend it. That one is just incredible. It's, it's, it's in, uh, amazing to see some of the accounts in it. And there, there's some really special things that happen in that video uh, in terms of like uh, they have a psychic on there and, and they have actual video of like these little, he has really detailed events where she's had uh, like mind speak and other things happen with Sasquatch and things. In fact, when they're recording, they hear like a, a grunt or something off camera, but they zoom up on her face at one point and she has these little like orbs of electric little balls floating around her face. And it's not fake. It's real. It, I hear stuff in there that are similar to things that have happened to me through the years. I've had other things happen to me through the years. Not as incredible as that. But um, I was in Beaver Creek State Park, which is in Ohio. Um, it was last spring. And I got an EVP of what most think. Uh, in fact, Ron Moorhead, who's the OG in the big field, uh, Bigfoot field of getting the Sierra sounds back in the 70s. Oh, yes. Uh, to it. And, you know, I got a EVP of, of a grunt of what everyone thinks is a Bigfoot up there. It's a highly um, frequented area for supernatural, paranormal. It's in East Liverpool, Ohio. It's in Columbiana County. One of the most famous Bigfoot uh, called the Ohio How from Columbiana, Columbiana County. One of the most famous Bigfoot screams in history is from that area. I think it was in Beaver Creek. Um, you know, they talk about people that have had supernatural things happen to them throughout their whole lives. The Lebanese side of my family has had things going on since before I was born. And they talk about things. I talked to Dr. Russ Jones about it, actually, and he's a believer, too, of you know, families that have the woo happen through them. It's familial. It's almost like a part of the DNA in those families for whatever reason, they're sensitive to these things. I had things happen before I was born on that side of the family up till now. And, you know, it's just, these, these things are real and, and they're incredible. And that's 
kind of just why I decided to do it. So uh, let me ask you this, Matt. Have have you, your, like through you know, just the years of thinking about this, uh, you know, researching, uh, I mean, have you come to any conclusions for yourself what this may have been? Because, I mean, you know, obviously werewolf, dogman, it's simplistic, right? I mean, there is something else going on here. Uh, you know, I mean, do you think it was demonic? Do you think that it was a, a person taking a familial form? I mean, uh, how do you define it in your own mind? I think that there are some of these these cryptids, if you want to call them. Some are more natural than others. I think some of them have abilities that that some might not. I get the impression from some of the experiences that I have heard that some of them may be caught by government agencies and possibly created in a lab or they got DNA from some of them. I had a gentleman named Joe Barger, a truck driver from Michigan, on my channel. In fact, I just released a video this week. He actually killed one. Um, no way he had one yeah he actually tried getting into his semi if you go to planet 412 uh the video most recent one's called the man who killed a a, i forget man killed a werewolf Uh, i'll tell you the exact name of it real quick um but joe is just one of your your down-to-earth everyday uh yeah the man that the man that killed a dog man interview with Joe, joe barger on planet 412 and he was driving his semi truck uh it was it was uh, 7 30 at night ish around that time he was going up a high grade and one was running next to his semi tried to get into his semi and kill him mm. he ended up shooting it twice in the in the face one in the eye and put it down uh long story short he had drove away came back and by the time he got back there were people there and it was gone he had been approached months later, uh, brought to a, a highway patrol barracks, I think the Michigan State Highway Patrol, where he was approached by two government agents, which basically did the bad cop, bad cop thing on him, telling him that he had killed one of their assets and that there were going to be repercussions. They had wow. shut his bank accounts down for a while and, uh, you know, chased him and, and really put the fear of God in him now. I don't know why he decided to come out and talk more about it as the years have gone by. Uh, I think he kind of got a sense of what I did of, you know what? I've just, I've had enough. I'm going to talk about it. Um, I believe what happened, you know, and I've heard other instances of very, very credible, believable people that, that have said the same thing that, that these things, some of them are looked at as assets, Mm -hmm. Um, which are horrifying to believe, you know, to think that, you know, they're doing DNA type work in a lab that they have these beings that they can release and, and do whatever. I think that some of them, the majority of them are, have a supernatural ability like mine did. You hear a lot of people talk about Bigfoot that, that you know, are, are around orbs, glowing orbs or even UFOs, seeing them go through portals. You hear about Skinwalker Ranch and beings going in and out of portals. I think the government has either killed some or captured some, did their their DNA mojo, and they created some that are more along the lines of a natural one, if you could be that. 
Um, but I think what, what we saw when I was 14 was 100% from another realm, another dimension. Mm-hmm. If it will hell, I don't know. Um, I've had so many people reach out saying they think it was a hellhound. It was a demon. My priest thought it was a demon. I, I can't be sure. It definitely was not from our normal, our normal spot here yeah. in the cosmos. You know, I'm a believer that there is a veil in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, right now in front of you, in front of me, there are beings walking around. We just can't see them. Yeah. I also look at it this way. I wonder, are we a ghost or are we kind of a strange being to some of them? Do yeah. they see us and go, what is, what is that over there? Look, 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 look. Yep. Yeah. And it's just us. I don't know. Um, but I do believe in multiverses. I do believe in parallel universes. You've heard of all the talk that Stern has done some strange things over oh. there with their colliders. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I think they've opened up a can of worms. And I, I think more of it is happening these days. Um, and I think that the younger generations are going to see more frequently that these things exist. You know, it's interesting. Well, first of all, uh, certainly with CERN, I think that the possibilities are certainly endless. This is the first time I've actually considered that cryptozoology may have some sort of connection to clandestine government agencies. But I'm immediately reminded of Jack Parsons and the founding of NASA. I mean, Jack Parsons was trying to open up a portal to hell, essentially, to bring a demon into our realm. And so that's I, I think it's plausible. I honestly do think it's plausible. Uh, well, that is fascinating. Um, let me see. Do you have time to take a couple of calls? I know you said the OK. OK, great. I, I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have a couple of good uh, comments. If, if you guys uh, are out there and you want to call in and ask Matt about his experience or you perhaps even have an experience of your own that you want to tell us about, uh, the Zoom information is on screen. I'm also going to pass it out. I'm just going to request that if you do call in and uh, and, and you have uh, a question that we keep it to the topic tonight. I don't want to get too far out in the weeds on other things. We'll talk about politics uh, maybe tomorrow or Monday when we get back to the regular show. Uh, and then I'm also just going to go through some of the thank yous uh, that we have in the form of donations. First of all, over here on Rumble, Warrior Mima says it's normal for boys to want to go explore. But whoa, what an experience. This sounds like a demon to me. I think that, you know, that to me, that's the first thing that occurred to me as well. You know, I mean, like, first of all, that uh, affinity with fire and, and, you know, the idea of it kind of turning into something ethereal from the physical. I mean, it just, you know, that just makes sense. And um, let's see over here on the foxhole. This is pill.net. I want to I'm going to help you get set up with a pilled account. Uh, my friends actually started this streaming platform. It's a social media platform, but it's uh, it's great for streaming. And there is a dedicated user base of people uh, who have 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 come there specifically because it's a free speech platform, 100 percent free speech. And uh, and they started it in the wake, basically, of myself and a whole bunch of other friends getting deleted off of YouTube back in uh, in 2020. So these guys are great, and they'll be happy to help you get started. Uh, bro dude, bro dude, just bought a one month subscription. Thank you so much, appreciate that. He also says, I thought I subscribed at one point. My bad, Zach. Appreciate you, bro. You know I appreciate you as well. It's good to see you. Thank you to Net folks. Thank you to Filter Dog for the shades. Thank you to Water Wizard. 
Thank you to Michelle Ann, uh, Sean Joe, one, two, three times. Thank you, Sean Joe. Porpoiseful, thank you. Twice, Just Duckies, thank you. Then again to Sean Joe, NetFolks, and Sly Park. Okay, so no more questions or comments out there, but let's go ahead and bring in our first caller. And here we go. All right, caller, you're on the air. It sounds like that might be KC out there. Is that KC? It is. All right. Welcome. Good Friday evening, uh, Zach and Matt. Yes. Um, Hello. And I, I'm I'm from Michigan. I'm a little bit older than uh, than Matt, but I can envision that uh, that time period. And it sounds like a, a summer weekend night. Uh, you know, we were all hanging out as kids. It's much different today, obviously. Um, but I, I quickly want to ask you too about the, uh, the rice machine. Have you been using it, Zach? Uh, I have been using the rice machine, but the thing is that I don't have any overarching health issues going on. So I've been using it specifically for, uh, uh, concentration and, uh, and, and basically to enhance my ability to, uh, to think clearly. And I, I certainly don't have any complaints about it. <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I just, the whole thing Matt was talking about is lupus. Yes. Um, I've heard that it could be beneficial for anybody having lupus to get in touch with that frequency. Because it really sounds like he's been in touch with an extraterrestrial frequency uh, in that respect. But uh, put it this way, it, it probably couldn't hurt. I just, you know, I know the area fairly well because I truck driver as well. I used to deliver cyanide into uh youngstown and the into cleveland you know obviously with the mill operations and the industry and everything so i I can say i'm pretty familiar with the area and the environs if you will but you know i i I don't want to say there might be a outbreak of lupus in the area with the people because i i seem to think a lot of that's environmentally caused in the sense of you know, poisoning or whatever. And I think it's ironic, too, that uh, Biden chose to go to East Palestine today, a year after the the train derailment, and God only knows what health problems they're going to be dealing with in that corridor. Um, I did have some questions for Matt in respect to, uh, are, are you the oldest of the kids in your family? Actually, I'm not. I'm, I am the second youngest. Uh, there's my oldest sister, then my older brother, my older sister, then me, and then my younger brother, who is 14 months younger. So there was a six-year difference between me and my older sister. Uh, so the three were definitely, you know, of a different generation than me and my younger brother. Okay, so your parents... You know, didn't necessarily watch you as much as the younger, and so you were able to get out, kind of like skate underneath the parental supervision. And I, I just think that's interesting in, in some senses because, like you say, when you came home and you started to tell your mom, I think that you know the quickest communication used to be you know telegraph and telephone, and now uh, you know telecommunication. It's tell a woman, you know. So if this had happened in the in this, if they're in their school year, you know, it would have been the biggest story, you know, uh, in the town. So, you know, keeping it cloistered, you know, and again, granted, it's a wild story, but, you know, that begins the investigation, that begins the uncovering 
Um, and since it was on a train track, uh, do you know if those train tracks were heading east-west? I mean, was it going into Pennsylvania, into Toledo, east-west, or were they going north-south? Because I got to believe know, that animal. Uh, you know, the, the, well, us being in Youngstown, obviously right there on the, on the PA, western PA line, I would imagine that it did go into Pennsylvania. I don't know which way, you know, you'd have to be going to head that way. Um, but also, ironically enough, too, close to a body of water, the Mahoning River, the Mahoning River, actually, you could follow the Mahoning River up to a metro park called Mill Creek Park, which is in Youngstown, Ohio, which if you follow that uh, Mahoning River, it'll take you from Mill Creek Park all the way down past the fill mills and however far else that place goes. So, um, you know, you always hear these stories about bodies of water, Indian burial mounds, cemeteries, parks. You have all three of those right there. And, and Casey, but if, you're if, also Casey, yeah. let me just I want to I just want to ask Matt a follow up on that. So you, you had mentioned earlier, Matt, that you had you have had people message you and saying that they had seen something in the realm mm-hmm. of this. But was, was there any sort of a history of perhaps people going missing or were there any like human mutilation cases that had popped up around this? You know, a, a lot of the, the thoughts have been because of the, the high amount of gang violence, mafia uh, population, specifically in the Youngstown area. You can Google mafia with Youngstown. They used to call, I think they used to call it Little Chicago. Mm. Um, you know, they would find bodies all over litter down there. Uh, a lot of the times the, the, the explanation would be gang violence or mafia or but, you know, as my my buddy's dad basically gave us, they got the impression that some of these people were possibly killed by something else. OK. All right. And Casey, uh, Casey, I just re- I just realized we were about 20 minutes out from the end of the show. So I want to give you the opportunity to get one more question in and then we've got three more people. I want to make sure we get to everybody. Excellent. I, what I'm thinking is. You know, trying to research and find out the epicenter and how long this has been going on. You said 1987, uh, mm-hmm. summertime. Um, and obviously going through the full moon phases, giving it a lycanthropy type of theme to it, if you will. But, you know, like I say, towns east and west, but, um, you know, there's also mining and there's deep underground shafts and this, that, or whatever, where this being could hide. So I'm thinking, it's more probably a government uh, laboratory where this thing maybe escaped from. And if you know anything about the history of the crossbreeding of like even lions and tigers, and I granted it's a feline, you know, category, but you know, those things grow as big as you feed them. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine them with Dr. Fauci and the Beagle experiments, some government lab along the railway um, you know, doing experiments on dogs and trying to find the biggest, most fierce dog that they could train somehow and is sick onto the population. So I, like I said, I would just kind of go in that area, going with the moon phases, trying to investigate any of these sightings, any of these, you know, abnormalities, you know, abnormal people missing, whatever. And maybe even tie it in with the lupus and any type of organic contamination. All right. Awesome. 
Well, thank you for the comments, look, Case. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I wanted to say, you know, you look all the way back in, in the war. You go back to Hitler uh, and, and the, the studies into the paranormal and supernatural they've done. You go to Russia and the things that they did that, you know, they were trying to make super soldiers with crossbreeding humans with apes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it isn't far off to think that our government, you know, oh, America wouldn't do that. Well, no, America would. would be one of the leaders <laughs> of that. Yeah. So uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, listen, Casey, thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And go blue, Matt. I hate to hurt your feelings on that. I know young Tom's a big Buckeye town, but, you know, eventually you'll get back there, I'm sure. Congratulations. God bless. God bless, great brother. Night. Yep, we'll see you. We'll see you. So, yeah, actually, you know, I mean, uh, just jumping off of what Casey said and what you were saying, uh, do you know if there were any uh, government installations in that area? I mean, are there any military bases, are there any research outposts? There is, uh, you know, the um, in, oh, geez, there's an Air Force base there, a reserve Air Force base in Cortland, Ohio. I, I, I forget the name of it, but I mean, you you know, you have thoughts all over Ohio. I mean, you think of Ohio, you go down in the Dayton, Ohio area, you have Wright Patterson, which is considered the epicenter of, of the supposedly the biggest underground secret facility in America, where, you know, that's where they brought, you know, the, the UFO and the aliens from um, you know, the biggest event in, in United States history in Roswell. Yeah. Ravenna, thank you. My wife. Oh, just, just I know Ravenna. I know Ravenna. <laughs> yeah, so you have the Ravenna Air Base, and and definitely something really close there that these things could be buried in or or be worked on. Who knows what's underneath these facilities? Limitless, yes, limitless. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen that map of uh, underground tunnel system that the United States government has. Yeah, definitely. It's getting bigger by the day, too. Absolutely. All right, we've got our next caller on the line. Caller, can we get your name? Holly. Holly? Yes. Welcome, Holly. Thank you for your call. Go ahead with your uh, question or comment for Matt. Hi, thanks. I love your show, Zach, and thank you for doing this. Thank you. And because uh, dogmen are my new obsession, (laughs) I have found uh, there's a channel that I've been watching on YouTube, uh, Dogmen Encounters. And I had to call because I just heard Matt's story like two days ago. <laughs> and I listen to like 10 of these encounters a day for the last two weeks. Wild. And I'm just, I was so, like, I, I've always been a huge Bigfoot enthusiast. Like, I bought a thermal drone just so I could go look for one. Sweet. But I really, think that, I think these dogmen are more prolific. I mean, after all the stories and encounters that I've heard, I mean, it's just amazing to me you know, that more people aren't aware of this. Yeah, and I've so definitely one- I've definitely heard of, uh, uh, you know, several throughout the years. But, you know, and I would like your thoughts, both of you on this. I, I mean, it, this is almost more outrageous, like in your mind than the idea of a Sasquatch. I mean, I feel like it's kind of just like accepted. Yeah. People are like, OK, Bigfoot, you know, there's a, a, some, you know, a, a, obtuse hominid that's living out there in the woods. And it's so good at, at staying away from man because, you know, obviously it's got intelligence and, yeah. and and they've always been here. But the idea of a dog man, you're like, it just it just immediately just melts your brain. Yeah, because Bigfoot is it seems to be more like a 
a cousin to us, like sure. more of a primate. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't feel threatened by that. But then, yeah, you think about these dogmen and that's just so antithesis to anything that we've ever thought or been told. Right. But my biggest takeaway from, from listening to the encounters is how therapeutic it seems to be for the people that are able to share on those platforms. And they, and they're so genuine. You can tell that they're so thankful to be able to share their story. And then, and then the one about the truck driver in Michigan that Matt just talked about, I just heard that story a few days ago also. Sweet. And, and the thing about the agents, Mm -hmm. I thought about that too, because he, he also mentioned where I had heard it, that um, he remembered thinking back that the vehicle that those two people had been in, had government plates on it. Mm-hmm. You know, when he, he just right. around and went back to the site and they were there. So, you know, maybe they'd been following him. Yeah. I mean, it would totally, it would totally make sense if, I mean, it, so yeah, I, I am a firm believer in, in the fact that there is so much mystery and unknown out there in the universe, you know, and Matt, I, I'm, I have the exact same opinion. I think that, you know, we're living in this dimension and there are clearly other things happening and existing around us at all times. You know, we can only see a certain spectrum of light, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, spiritually, yeah, I, I believe I, that we are energetic beings. You know, our souls inhabit these bodies like a vessel. And when we move yeah. on, we go to the next realm. And uh, and who's to say that that realm isn't able to see us, you know, and to know that we're here. So, of, of course, the I was gu- thinking about that, too, because yeah. I've seen shadow people. Yeah. Well, I had an experience where, you know, I was reading, I was in bed and I was getting tired, but I know I was awake. I don't know why or how it happened. But for some reason, I was able to see, you know, things I couldn't see before. And there were three of them in my room. And I saw, like, one at the foot of the bed. He was just kind of hanging out. And another one over by the door. And then I saw one. And this is the weird thing. It was um, kind of crouched down, like, on the floor, like, on one knee. But he was where my closet would be. But I could see him. It was almost like an overlay. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see my room, but I could see them. So it was almost like they were in some different, maybe it was a different frequency or something, but I could see them in my room, but it was like an overlay. And then the weird thing is that the, it's like they were comfortable. They were just hanging out there. And then the one that was crouching down, uh, he was kind of looking around. And when we made eye contact, I remember like that feeling. He was, first of all, surprised that I could see him. Mm. And then he was really pissed. He was upset that I could see him. And I felt like all this hatred. But anyway, that was, I have a question for Matt, though. I wanted to ask him. So uh, a lot of the encounters that I've listened to, um, the people that have seen them will have multiple or successive encounters. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have another encounter? Because I know it's different for everyone, but a lot of people have. Like once you, you know, see I've them. Never had another, I've never had another encounter. And, you know, I love that she mentioned frequencies. You know, I had a long discussion with Ron Moorhead recently. He was a guest on my show. And, you know, everything on Earth, human, uh, animal, you know, inanimate, everything has a frequency to it. Right. And so do these beings. And sometimes we, you know, match that that frequency or that resonance and things happen. Um, I've yeah. never seen another dog man again, but I've had strange things, as I mentioned before, occurring my whole life. Um, yeah. and, and if you go to, to planet 412, my second video, you won't believe what happened in Beaver Creek. Um, yeah, state I park. Your <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, thank you. And and it it was really incredible. And and, and you know it was mind uh, jarring, but it was positive. It wasn't negative. Um, and I've just had little snippets here and there, but it's been a constant my entire life. And I've yeah. just always strange ability to notice detail that no one else has uh, so much so yeah. that my family's always been like how do you notice that how do you see that I, yeah. I don't know yeah. just, I think, I think summary have, yeah when you have experiences like that I don't know if, if you're just sensitive to them generally or if you become more sensitive once you've had them but like I was saying the other people that have had other encounters after you know they see them they just see them all over the place but for some people, I guess they do have some sort of telepathic type because even that truck driver head had some kind of a, an imprint in his mind or some impression that was given to him by that dog man that was chasing his truck. Wow. And yeah, so I that that. said to him that, you know, I, you're mine, you can't get away. Right. Almost, almost mind speak. You know, I had had, it's funny you bring that up. I had had a, very, very realistic dreamscape type dream within the last six months where I did see that that creature again, I'll bet yeah. in, in a dream. But and let me tell you something. You want to talk about realistic? It spoke to me in the dream. It told me it was there for me all those years ago and that it would see me again. It also told me I speak too much of it. Oof. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that was just, subconscious no, or no, I heard another I heard another encounter where someone had seen a juvenile dogman and actually had assisted it and I mean you know it was a process he got close enough and he was able to help it it was wounded mm. and then like five years later he's driving down the road he's older and this dogman like jumped in front of his headlights in his car and he's freaked out because when he saw one as a juvenile it was about four feet this one was like seven and a half feet tall in front of his car and as he stood there, as he sat there in his car, just kind of paralyzed, it raised its arm and was showing him his arm. So it was the same dog man that he had helped wow. as a juvenile. Wow, and so amazing. he had a connection because he said in a dream state where he had had dreams about it because he moved to Florida later and he had a dream about it. And it asked him in the dream, where are you? Mm. Oh, that's wild. Because listen, listen, Holly, I want to make sure that we get to these other callers. I really appreciate you calling in tonight. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll bye bye. God bless. We'll bye see you. Okay. Uh, next caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Caller, can you hear me? If your phone number ends. Yeah, you can. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you... I think. Uh, sorry. My name is Anon Outlaw. Um, Anon Outlaw. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Don't miss an episode. Sometimes I can't watch you live, but this is my first time calling in. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Um, Go ahead with your question. So I got a few things, uh, just real quick points. Try to be fast. Uh, so I've listened to that trucker that killed the dog man quite a few times, his story. Um, same with yours, guest. Sorry, I'm a little nervous, so I'm blanking on your name, but I've listened to your story quite a few times, too. find it very, very intriguing. But um, anyway, so... I just wanted to say, uh, speaking to what you guys were talking about earlier, how every legend has some fact to it, and I don't know if this is Hollywood or maybe there's something that goes back to whatever, alchemy or whatever, but people saying werewolves can get killed by silver bullets or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I remember in that trucker story, 
um, he had a very specialized pistol and the rounds that he was using were also very specialized made out of copper and most of the stories I've heard uh, bullets don't do anything to these things but he shot it with pure copper round wondering if you think that that had any uh, any significance I think it probably did. I think, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a high powered, uh, revolver and, and they were high expansion rounds, like you'd said, made of, of pure copper. Um, and he hit it right in the eye. He said he might have even hit it two times in the eye. You know, he's the ex, uh, I, I believe Marine, definitely ex military. So he knows how to shoot. Uh, he put two rounds off, bing, bing, real quick. Um, you know, and the way he described it going down, like it hit a clothesline, you know, that, that gives you the impression that, you know, he, he knew what he saw and he hit it the right way. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I have to jump to, there's always truths in mythology some way, but you know, if it, it, I don't think that they are, are exactly your definition of you know werewolves i'm not sure my my experience or or my research i've done over the years is a werewolf in my opinion is a skinwalker i think skinwalkers are the beings that are able to transform into different types of animal type humans now does that mean that werewolves don't exist no it doesn't i don't know for sure um but i i think that these dogmen that people are having experiences with are that all day, 24-7, or whatever supernatural being are, they choose that form for whatever reason. Um, and whatever he did right at that time, he hit it hard the right way and took it down. Copper could be a reason. It could be one of those metals uh, that affects these things. All right, Anon Outlaw, did you, did you have something else for Matt? Yeah, real quick. Um so the other, so I have one more thing and then super fast for you, Redville. But uh, so the other thing that I've heard in a lot of other stories, including on Missing 411 um, Hunter stories, mm-hmm. where they have this weird metallic, almost like a big bunker opening that has like rusty hinges right before they get attacked. And I remember in that trucker story, he says that there was, a sounds that were coming from the forest that didn't sound like they belong there. I'm just wondering a little behind the scenes, did he mention anything similar to a metallic door bunker with open hinges opening? You know, he, he didn't specify it like that, but I love that you brought that up because people like a friend of mine, Martin Groves, who's one of the most well-known dogman experiences, uh, ex-police officer from Tennessee was him and his partner were attacked by by multiple dogmen. They heard that noise on missing 411, the hunted. Uh, when a, when that poor gentleman disappeared, his hunting partner said he had heard something along the lines of a metal trap springing in the middle of the woods. Had no place being there. And again, Joe also mentioned hearing some strange noise along the lines of metal scraping on something or mechanical coming from the woods, which really would have made no sense coming from where it made uh, the noise makes you think of, is it a portal opening? Is it the way that these things are entering our dimension? Is that the kind of similar noise that it, it makes? It, it, it's really 
happening more frequently. And quite a few people are mentioning that specifically. Wow. Strange. Uh, that's intriguing. I, yeah. uh, if anything, with regard to that specific noise, when we're talking about the government being involved, it almost sounds like they're coming from like an underground bunker of some yeah. kind. Yeah. Could be. But, yeah. But anyway, last thing, Red Pro and I got other people. Uh, we exchanged some emails a while back, and uh, I was recommending something for baseless conspiracies. Oh. And I wanted to do Missing 411, but you said that it was going to be a while, whatever. I totally get it. But man, uh, right after following this Dogman episode, and if you went into Missing 411, that would be a killer, dude. Like, Oh, there's I, so many things that Kipling can be involved with, aliens, all of it. Oh, absolutely. I no, I, I appreciate the, <laughs> I appreciate the reminder. I've because I get so many people specifically sending me, you know, one-liners for baseless conspiracies, and uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw when I was on YouTube, I interviewed Dave Politis a, a couple of different times, and I think that one of the I interviews is still available what on. What's that? Oh, I just saying I didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. I just yeah. can't I missed that. Yeah, I had him on twice and um they were both deleted from YouTube, but one of the interviews, I think the first one is still available on Dave's YouTube channel. So, uh it's I mean it's pretty far back there. It was like 2019, maybe early 2020, but I I I'm actually going to go through all of the archives that I have and I'll see if I can find those two specifically and and put them out again because they they were good interviews and uh you know Dave Politis is a, a legend so uh, Oh god yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was cool to be able to yeah, to get I'll to know him. I uh I uh I really enjoy thinking about how John gets introduced to like just missing people's cases that are just very like basic and like he can wrap his head around it and then just watching his mind bend as all the theories that could happen, how these people are disappearing on the same episode. Definitely. But anyway, um, I'll let you go. I'm a trucker too, and I'm actually on my way to Ohio. So, oh, cool. Pray for me. Stay no safe. <laughs> yeah, stay safe, man. Thanks for, for helping the country keep rolling. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, you take care, brother. All right, you too, man. God bless. Peace. All right, uh, let's get our next caller on the air. You're on the air. Can we get your name? Hi, Debbie. Debbie, welcome to the program. What's your question or comment for Matt? Um, well, I just wanted to say that I um, I had an experience with an entity, and I, I believe there are entities in other realms after yeah. that. Um, um, by the way, Zach, you do wonderful shows. They're so interesting and diverse, and we really appreciate you. Thank you. So um, my experience was... Um, I was sleeping, I was in bed, and um, I woke up out of my sleep, and there was something flying over me, like flowing over me, and it was dark, shadowy, it had flowy, and um, I felt paralyzed as it was doing that, and I didn't know what to do, so I just tried to see white light and, you know, say, God, come to me, God, come to me, and after a few minutes, it went away, the white light came and it went away, and um, you know, I probably should have been shaken up from it, but at that moment, I felt like God recognized me and He saved me. But um, it was, it was real and it was there. So, um, it, and it felt like it was trying to take my soul mm. as it was over me. I could feel like from inside, it was it was pulling something out of me. And uh, you know, you go, yeah, something like that, and you you believe that there there are things. 
Absolutely. So I just wanted to share share that with you since uh, that was a real life experience. And um, I believe I believe anything and everything could be possible out there. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Debbie. Yeah, you're at 11 o'clock, so uh, (laughs) show's over. It's all right. We'll get these last two in, and uh, you have a great night, okay? Thank you for everything, Zach. Thank you so much. Appreciate you watching. God bless. We'll see you. All right, we've got my friend Enoch coming in next. We're just waiting for Enoch to connect. And Enoch, you're on the air, brother. We are at the end of the show, but I could not allow you to stay hanging in there and hold. How you been, bro? I'm great. Um picking up the Art Bell vibes tonight and I couldn't <laughs> help but uh call in. I had a two two quick little stories uh, about Michigan Dogman. Excellent. Go for it. Um I live up here in Nuevo County, Michigan. Um I grew up in Ottawa County, Michigan. Uh and when I was a kid, like uh I don't know, eight, nine years old, we we're traveling down the road. Uh my parents were taking me up to my grandparents' house in Nuevo County, where I live now actually. Um, and out in the cornfield, you guys know how tall the corn actually gets in, in the summer, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was this like German shepherd shaped head, uh, up above the peeking up above the corn. And I was just so impressed with like how big this dog must've been standing on its hind legs. Hmm. Uh, I tried to get uh, my parents' attention. Uh, they didn't believe me. I'm a kid. Sure. Uh, at the time, uh, that was like not that wasn't like that big of a story, uh, but you know it, I just remembered it. I still remember like the shape of the clouds in the sky that day. Like yeah. I remember it so vividly. I can I can imagine that would probably burn itself into your mind. And on on that note, uh, uh, Trisha over on Rumble had said, "Did Matt ever say how tall he thought the dog man was?" I thought like I felt he was going to compare it to the height of the building or something in the building, and we yeah. did we did skip over that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So- we went back years ago. Obviously, we didn't go back for a while, but we went back years ago, and, and we had went into the building. And so there were four uh, pillars of concrete. They were like the, the foundation pillars of this building. There were four at each corner of the facility. They're roughly about four and a half to five feet wide, and each ceiling of each floor was roughly about 18 to 20 feet tall. So we had basically extrapolated when it stood up, it stood up in one of front of these uh, foundation spheres. You couldn't see it from the side. So it was every bit four and a half to five feet wide. And from the tips of the ears, we figured out it was from the tips of the ears, not that the head itself was roughly about 10 and a half to 11 feet tall. Dang. Wow. That's crazy. So, you know, 10 and a half feet tall from the skull. Yeah. I would have to say it was the cornfield one, like the had to have been around the same size. Like, yeah. cause anyone familiar with walking out in a cornfield when the corn's at its maximum height, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. knows how tall that corn is. And to be a whole head up above that, uh, like I said, it was quite impressive, but it was very, I guess, um, to describe it would be like an Anubis head or a German shepherd shaped head. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then my next story, this one's actually, might sound not as believable. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people don't believe these stories, but um, all right. So going, growing up in high school in a small community, you tend to go out into the woods to have your parties, you know, to get a keg um, or whatever. And a group of your high school friends would just go find a spot out in the woods to have a nice little, you know, keg party for the weekend. Yeah. Well, um, up here we have a big old chunk of national forest called the Masty National Forest. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
uh, we go out into the Manistee National Forest, and there was this, like, off-grid cabin that was built. And it had to have been built with, like, no permits. You know, like, it wasn't, like, to standard at all. It was just this little abandoned cabin. And we used to go up there and uh, throw our keg in their bathroom and have our little keg party. So there's had to have been, like, a good 16 of us. Um, we had a bonfire going. Uh, we were in their little, like, uh, I- I'll call it a little breakfast nook inside where it had windows all the way around the corner where we were sitting. We we're playing cards around the table. Uh, and this is about dusk, uh, maybe a little bit after dusk. It was a little dark outside. And we, um, some pressed up against the window behind us. Uh, we turn around and look and it's a, it's a large German shepherd like dog, st- you know, with his paws pressing up on the window, looking in the window at us. Freaked us out, but we, in the process of us freaking out, we freaked it out. Um, and it turned around and we watched it run nearly a hundred yards down the, down the pathway, the little two track that we were on, on its hind legs. Oh my God. Uh, and again, this had to have been about eight to nine feet tall. Uh, we watched it run right past the, the bonfire, you know, in the middle of the light. And we had like eight people see it. Um, do you remember the hands? I mean, were they paws or were they like, they were, half- they were like animal paws. Okay. Absolutely. They were just massive. Yeah. Um, and I just will never forget that. And I, I tuned into your show tonight and saw you guys were talking about a little bit about this. That's so cool. And I'm actually a little bit shaky talking about it because like, I don't really go public and talk about this too much, but yeah, it's it affect you. I can imagine. Um, I just wanted to share that with you guys. I know there's a, you guys were telling stories and I'm up here in Michigan, uh, the dog man is something we hear about way more than we hear about Bigfoot. We never hear about really Bigfoot up here. Yeah. Um, it's it's the dog, dog man. And I think it's kind of neat how each state almost has its own cryptids, uh, yeah. you know, that goes around. But it's um, pretty sweet. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate you calling in, Enoch. It's good to see you, dude. Thank you. All right. Take it easy, guys. Peace. Have a great night. All right. All right, final caller of the night. If you guys are not on the phone, do not call in because we won't be taking the call. But caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Hey, Zach, this is Bro Dude. Bro Dude, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. How, how about yourself, Zach? Oh, I can't complain, man. Having a great time. Uh, so go ahead, man. What's your question or comment for Matt? Yeah, first thing I want to say is congratulations. You you had mentioned you got six years sober. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, yeah, my my clean date's May fifteenth, two thousand eleven. So I haven't had a beer since then. So it's, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's a great thing. But uh, I wanted to also talk to Matt. Matt, hey, thanks for sharing tonight. Appreciate that, bro. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, the more I hear it, like. Uh, you had mentioned a little bit earlier, Zach, that when you had David Flytus on, I remember I was listening to you back in the YouTube days. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I, I, I listened to guys like Matt, and I've listened to these other stories. And, you know, the first thing I, I rule out, I always rule out, is, you know, not everybody's a kook, right? Right. right? Not everybody can be lying, right? A lot, a lot of times people get marginalized. When a person, first of all, when a person holds that, like Matt, for instance, he holds his story for a long time. And then when you start talking about it, I don't know if it's our age or life experiences, but at some time we just, we just let it go. Right. Let mm-hmm. the chips fall where they may. And, and it, you know, cause of the social media and just, just the way life is in general is people can be marginalized. 
criticized, mm-hmm. uh, uh, put them in a category, that person, I mean, your, your voice, I don't know if it gets wider or if it gets minimized, right? Mm. Cause you get in that category Yep. and I don't know where our voice actually stands, you know, yeah. like ju- just like this piqued my interest right now. I, I haven't had an experience with the dog man, have not heard a lot of stories about it. I had a spiritual encounter. It was more demonic. I'm not going to get into that. When I was a child, but I was around seven. I'm about, I'll be 57 next next month. I'll be 57 years old. Cool. Happy birthday. And I was around seven years old, early 70s. Uh, a lady that lived above us, she was in the witchcraft. And anyways, there's a little story there, but uh, there's a couple things happening in my life, but I had seen... Uh, something that wasn't supposed to exist. Mm-hmm. I was seven years old, and you guys were talking about when you when you see those images, it, it's it, it embeds that image in your mind forever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, listening to Matt, the thing that he described the most was those eyes, right? Yeah. Now, if we sit there and just talk to Matt, those eyes laid such an impact on him. That's it. It's there to stay, right? Yep. And the fear, when I was listening to Matt, you know, the fear that came over him, he was a 14, he was a, he was a kid, he was a little boy, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm listening to him and it, and it flashed me back to when I was a child and when I was seven years old and this thing I'd seen, you know, I, I don't know where people grow up, but you know, there's different types of fear, right? Mm-hmm. You get almost near death experience, car accident, maybe you're going to get in a fight at school or you... You get jumped at a bar. I, I mean, there's so many variables, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's different types of fear and being scared. But how I relate to Matt is this thing that I seen when I was seven years old. To this day, I'm telling you the truth, bro. And it uh, it affected my whole perspective on now, not knowing it at seven years old. Mm-hmm. I look back at it 50 years ago. And that is embedded into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just in, the fear. I, I can't even, it, fear is, it doesn't even do the word correctly, right? It's, right? it's beyond fear, right? It's beyond fear. And so when, I'm, when I'm, I'm listening to Matt, one of the first questions I thought, you know, he's looking at the eyes, you know, I was thinking, I wonder what his nose looked like. Was it a long sprout? I mean, did he smell the breath? Uh, he could probably he could probably feel the temperature of the room, and I could just imagine the fear. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I keep going back to how I experienced. It. Of course, yeah. So I guess my my one question, instead of just talking, my one question to you, Matt, when you looked at the eyes, and, and you you did see the nose, and you did see the teeth, and you you seen his broad shoulders and mm-hmm. the enormity of this thing. Do you remember? Do you remember the color of his mouth his tongue do you remember any of that his breath do you remember any of that matt you know what i i want to give the the best way that if you want to know what i saw when i was 14 if you go to on youtube it's called sketching encounters sibylla Irwin is the person who owns that channel she is a graphic sketch artist and i worked with her for over a year getting the the look exactly of what we saw when I was 14. If you guys, anybody watching wants to know exactly what I saw when I was 14, go to Sketching Encounters, and I will be right up there on her website, and you can see. I 
I saw down that thing's throat. I saw its tongue sticking out of its mouth. Every teeth that every tooth it had, um, all of it is burned. Not just the eyes. The eyes are something I see in my sleep sometimes. That was, but but just the look of it itself is is etched in my brain till I die. Yeah, you know, and I, and I just I I, pre- I appreciate you coming forward, bro. There's. Like there's a few callers that came on. I, I seen some people in the chat. I be, I believe you, bro. You know, I believe right. you. I, I've had my own counter. Now that's not my gauging, but everybody's not lying, right? You know what I mean? That no. I mean, you you might have some people that are just you know some some shills and and you know you kind of decipher that. But uh, most of us, a lot of us that have had these experiences, uh, you know, we can relate. You know, and uh, just and, and Zach, you would understand this if, if you're involved in the 12 step. Pro- I'm not here to promote a 12 step program or anything, but uh, there's a part in that when you're doing 12 steps in recovery, uh, there's a four step in that 12 step process. When you start doing some doing some exercising where you're writing things out and the people that you've heard, you know, it's just a uh, therapeutic exercise. But uh, there was a part in there when I started writing this stuff out, just going back in my life uh we have what's called a sponsor in the 12-step program <laughs> and i was telling my sponsor about this story about these, these encounters i was having when i was a child and my sponsor you know he, he's an ex-addict himself he's just like and i asked him well what do you think about it and he just said hey brother i'm not a psychologist man i'm just here to listen <laughs> you know he, he didn't. He he didn't have any right answer for me. But it, but I remember writing that as an exercise, and and just uh, getting that out, you know. And and it reminds me too. You mentioned uh, Zach when you had David Politis on 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 uh, four one from four one one. I remember listening to him, and he was talking about all these people that are missing in all these uh, wilderness, you know, straight national forest in this country. And it started, and I started really thinking. I go, you know, you think of all the previous presidents that have blocked off thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, and they they put it under the label, "Well, we want to secure our national forest." You know, I find it hard to believe that somebody like Obama would really care about our national forest. I, I really have a hard time believing that. And I think it's part of they block off all them. Right. They, Yes, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or up the side of a sheer, up the side of a sheer cliff, uh, 250 feet on a little outcropping, like they were stuck there to keep them there. I mean, I have goosebumps yeah. the size of a mountain on me right now. 
Yeah, that's yeah, horrifying. I was muted, yeah, guys. You, you, <laughs> you guys heard me. The audience didn't. But yes, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We were just talking about uh, missing 411 and uh, how national parks get sealed off. And perhaps that's a plausible reason uh, to allow things to happen there or for uh, just knowledge of those things happening. Yeah. Zach, my wife told me that people are saying that they can't hear anything. Yeah, yeah. They, they That was me that was muted. You guys were not muted, but okay. it was just me okay. being a boomer. So, okay. Well, listen, <laughs> bro, dude, that, that, that's, uh, we, we're going to have to call it a night there. I think that's God telling me something. <laughs> but, uh, amen. Thank you very much for the call, bro. Thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. You got it, Matt. Zach, talk to you guys later, man. God bless. God bless Take you. Take care, brother. We'll see you. Bye-bye. All right. So uh, thank you very much, guys, for uh, making us aware of that. And uh, tell your wife thank you as well. Uh, let me just say thank you to Maggie May. She says, thank you for telling your story, Matt. This is crazy scary. Uh, thank you to Sly Park and Filter Dog One. And then Rise the Tire says, we just watch a bedtime story episode on this story. It's so amazing to hear it directly from him. This is real, fam. Uh, all right. And Matt, at the end of the show, I always like to make sure that my guest has an opportunity to tell the audience where they can find their work. And then most importantly, what would you really want the audience to take away from our conversation tonight? You know, I, I really want everyone to take away tonight a, a sense of, you know, opening your mind. Don't be those people that that sit there just stares down at your phone and just walking around. You don't look away. Put it down, guys. Look around. My wife always says, you know, Matt, you're somebody who likes to smell the roses that goes around. And I pay attention. I look up. People ask me, well, I want to have an experience. I want to see something. Stop looking down at your phone. Right. Look around. Open your mind and realize that this is a really wild and crazy world we live in. There are things out there. It's not as boring and mundane as you think. There are things out there that you cannot fathom, you cannot imagine. Things that you were brought up to believe don't exist. A lot of them really do. And again, I'm not trying to scare people. I just need you guys to understand that there really are things out there that we were taught don't exist. They really do. So just keep your eyes open, look around. Um, and then, you know, you can find me on YouTube at Planet 412. I'm wearing actually first time I ever wore a shirt of mine. I'm going to start doing merch soon. Those are sweet. So uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to start styling them pretty soon. This is just the first iteration. Um, but uh, I'd appreciate if you guys come and check me out there and, and, and subscribe and, and hang out with me. It's going pretty well. I've, I've got a good family of people over there. And um, I, I always love getting new uh, population to the planet. So right I'd appreciate you guys coming over. Excellent. And if you want to easily get to Matt's YouTube and his Facebook, the links to both of them are in the description of this video. So if you're watching and uh, it's not live or you're listening on the audio version of the podcast, you can find that down there as well as the links to all the sponsors for the program and all of the stuff that uh, that all the social media platforms that I'm on as well. And uh, if uh, if you guys have any questions, you can always reach out to me through the website, redpill78news.com. You can also send suggestions suggestions for shows. Uh, and then Matt, uh, I am more than happy to try to help you get set up on a couple of other platforms.
terms because, you know, YouTube is tenuous at best. And especially when you're talking about things uh, that go against the grain, shall we say. All right. Uh, So one more time. Thank you very much, Matt. You're always welcome back. So let me know if uh, you want to come on in the future. I'm happy to have you. Everybody at home, thank you for being here. Thank you for the quality commentary. Good luck and God bless. We will see you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, everybody.